Back in 1943, Bing Crosby sang a song that lasted 2 minutes 58 seconds. The song became number three in the charts in the United States. It lasted for 11 weeks. The song was written about a soldier from his point of view in World War II. It was a song that was sung from a soldier's perspective of sending a message back to his family. And the song was, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. Fact is, there are many people who aren't home for Christmas because they have to work. And the military is one such operation. They have to protect the country. The police have to work on Christmas because they're protecting the community. The firefighters, they certainly have to work on Christmas to put out fires. The EMTs still have to save lives. The ambulance drivers still have to go pick up those that are in distress. The doctors still have to check up on the patients and the nurses still have to care for the patients. The technicians, such as the power companies and those that control heat units, have to still operate the systems. The tow truck drivers have to still go out and help stranded people. The media people on radio and TV still have to broadcast. Various professional sports players and referees and coaches will work on Christmas. Stadium personnel will have to be there to watch over the crowd. Gas station attendants will have to see to it the gas pumps are running. Motel staff will have to see to it that travelers all over the world have a nice comfortable place to stay and the zookeepers still have to take care of the animals. None of those people won't be home on Christmas for a few hours because they have to work. But for most of them, when work is done and their shift is over on Christmas, they'll get to go home. Even those in the military get a furlough. The reason we actually have Christmas is because one person did not stay home and he didn't get to go home and he wouldn't be able to go home for 33 years. In fact, he chose to come to this earth. Had he chose to stay home or shorten his shift, there would be no Christmas. Had he chose to stay home or opt out of his work, there'd be no salvation from sin. The reason we can have Christmas and have a gathering like this is because Jesus Christ was willing to leave his home in order to come here to save us. That's a staggering thought. I want to consider for a few moments what Christ actually had to give up in leaving his home to be here on that first Christmas. He gave up more than any of us can imagine. His sacrifice was the apex of all sacrifices. I want to present five major sacrifices he made to be here away from home. First of all, he gave up his heavenly majestic form as God on Christmas to become human. John said it this way, he became flesh. He dwelled among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John said, we saw this one who had come from heaven. There was that moment at the transfiguration when we had the privilege of just for a few brief moments seeing him in all of his glory, but he was here in flesh. We traveled with him. We listened to him. We actually touched him with our own hands. Paul said in Philippians that he existed in the form of God. 
but he didn't regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. So he decided, even though he's existing as God, he's going to leave that heavenly, majestic throne and form and take on human form. And the writer of Hebrews said, Therefore, since children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So let's think about that for a moment. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He made a decision to disregard his heavenly majesty and trade that off for earthly humanity. If you offered any person in heaven tonight the option of leaving heaven to come back to this earth, you'd have no takers. Nobody would do it. He did. He existed in the form of God. He could have just continued to exist in that majestic state. But he made a decision to become flesh that action, quite frankly, is beyond anything we can grasp, God becoming flesh. He opted to become man. He had all of the divine glory and attributes that you can have in heaven, and he came to this world as a human being. He took on human flesh with all the limitations that go with that. Took on a human body like every other human, except it was without, of course, any sin, but he voluntarily decided to have a body like every other human. And he could have selected a body in which every body part was at the highest level of perfection. He could have said, well, if I'm going to take on a body, I'm going to have the best looks and the best physique of any human who's ever walked on that earth. He could have said, the body I take is going to be athletic, and it's going to be a body that's handsome. It'll be a body that people will look at. All kinds of people will just look at me because it's such a spectacular body. But Isaiah said, he had no stately former majesty that we should look at him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Here he's God in heaven, and he didn't even choose the best-looking body. He decides to head out from heaven and take on an average human body that could hurt, feel pain, bleed, get cold, get hungry, get thirsty, get sick, and die. He did not decide to show up here as some amazing, majestic spirit being that just floats around from place to place, he chose to leave his majestic form and come here as a real human being. Talk about sacrifice. Talk about not being home for Christmas. He didn't even look like himself. He didn't even resemble who he actually was on Christmas. He had no majestic form. He looked like an average baby not even an average baby. He's lying in a manger, not in a crib or bed. A manger. Now that's a sacrifice. Secondly, he gave up his heavenly residency and his heavenly home to come here to earth 
to live on Christmas. Most people dream of living in a bigger, better house. Where Jesus Christ originally lived can't be any bigger, it can't be any better. Understand this point. Jesus Christ was living in the third heaven. We're talking about the throne and home of God. He's living there. That's where he lives. Most of us long for some mansion over the hilltop. The Lord Jesus Christ was living at God's throne in his majestic mansion all the time. He was living at the throne of God with all of its wealth, with all of its spectacular heavenly aura and majesty and grandeur. Paul said when he was caught up to that place, it's so glorious, I can't even put into language or words what I saw or heard. And he gave all of that up to come to this earth. And that thought that he gave that up and came to this earth did go through his mind many, many times. There were many times when he actually reflected on where he previously lived. One of the most memorable passages is John 6. Because in John chapter 6, he mentions that memory that he had seven times. He said to his own disciples when he called himself the bread of life, Do you realize I'm the bread of life who came down out of heaven? I'm the bread of life who came down from heaven. Two different prepositions. I was actually in the center of heaven, and I departed from that point, and I came down to this earth. I'm the living bread that left the splendor of heaven, came out of heaven to come to this earth. The disciples didn't get it. They couldn't wrap their heads around that. That here's one who's coming down out of heaven. And Jesus said, well, okay, what if you see me ascending up into heaven to where I was before? Will you figure it out then? He said to his own disciples, do you understand who I am and where I lived? Most of us long for the day when we'll live in heaven. Most of us long for the time when we'll get out of this world and go there to be with him. He lived there. He lived there. He gave all of that up to come to this sin-cursed, God-mocking, Bible-hating, Christ-rejecting, Christ-demeaning, Christ-cursing world. Boy, he gave up a lot to be here. Gave up his majestic form and his majestic residency. But then he gave up his dignity. I don't think we begin to fully understand this point, but can you imagine giving up the majestic form of being God, taking up residency, giving up the residency in heaven, and then start it all off by being born in some animal shed in Bethlehem. Talk about losing dignity. This is Jesus coming from the highest of highs to the most degrading of lows. He's not even born in a clean home or hospital or motel. 
This is the second member of the Trinity in all of his glory and all of the eternal wealth of God. He makes an intentional decision to leave that to be born as a human in the lowliest place. And the Father and the Son, we learn from Scripture, discussed this plan. They planned this together. There must have been conversations. You know, you'll have to go there and be born just like other humans as a baby. You know, that means that somebody's going to have to change your diapers. How humiliating is that? Because you're going to be born under the Old Testament law, you're going to have to be circumcised on the eighth day. How humiliating is that? You'll be born into a real family, which means you'll have to submit yourself to people that are sinful. You'll have sinful parents, and you'll have sinful brothers and sisters, and they'll probably chide you and say things like, do you think you're perfect? You will be perfect. You'll have to go to school. You'll have to listen to teachers who don't know anything at your level. By age 12, you'll be saying things they can't even figure out. When you get down there, you're going to be under the authority of a sinful government. And you're going to also be under the authority of a corrupt religious system. You'll have to pay taxes to a government that's totally polluted and evil and corrupt. You'll have to actually give tax money as the God-man to pay taxes to that. You'll watch people who will give offerings to a religious group of con men who turn worship into big business. And while you're there, you won't have a home on earth. So when you are there, you'll often eat in fields. Rarely will you have a nice meal to eat or a nice place to sleep. You'll take on the form of a servant. You'll travel around. You'll look more like a gypsy homeless guy. There won't be too many who will even recognize you're the creator and CEO of everything. And when it comes to people supporting you, your biggest financial supporters will be a group of women. It won't even be the religious leadership who should have been worshiping you and supporting you. And then, when it comes time for you to die, you'll be stripped of your clothes. You'll be nailed to a cross. There won't be a family visitation. They won't even show up. You'll have no nice funeral. You'll have no nice funeral luncheon. A couple of guys will bury you in some grave you don't even own. Talk about giving up dignity. This is Jesus Christ who made the decision to leave heaven and come to this earth to give up his glorious status and divine dignity. And he knew who he was. He knew what he'd given up. In fact, that episode when Peter cut off that ear of Malchus, who was the servant of the high priest, Jesus said, 
Peter, don't you realize that right now I could appeal to my father and I'd have 12 legions of angels here, but we have to go through this because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. Jesus knew his own identity all through life. He knew exactly what would happen if he chose to come here. It would mean loss of glorious respect they had in heaven. It would mean loss of majestic dignity. When he was in heaven, understand this point, before he came here, he had the respect and honor and the worship of the highest and holiest angels. The cherubim worshipped him. The seraphim worshipped him. The four living beings and creatures worshipped him. When he came to this earth, hardly anybody wanted him. They didn't accept him. Most people didn't like him. Most people hoped he would leave. He thought on occasion about the dignity that he had given up. There was that time just before he died when he was praying to his father in John chapter 17. And he said, now father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory I had with you before the world was. I don't know what you've ever given up for Christmas or whatever sacrifice you've ever made, but none of us, none of us has given up the dignity we had like he did. He also gave up the independent use of his own will on Christmas. He emphasized that point on multiple occasions. In fact, he said, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In Hebrews 10, the text says, I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus basically said to his father, I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to go to earth when I get down there. I won't even use my own will to make choices and decisions like I make when I'm here. I won't do it. I'll always submit my will to your will. So he gave up the independent use of his divine attributes. He yielded everything to his father. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he specifically said that. He said, I'm talking to you, Father, in view of raising Lazarus from the dead because I want them to know that you're the one who sent me here. He could have raised Lazarus from the dead himself. When you work your way to the top of a profession, you earn the right to make some decisions. You no longer have to submit yourself to those that aren't your equal because you're the one making the decisions. Jesus started at the top. The second member of the Trinity could not be any higher. He's God. And when he decides to come to this earth and decides to submit his will to choose to submit to the Father's will in everything, he's basically saying, I'm giving up the independent use of who I am. He never did one thing on this earth without checking with his Father. This is the God-man who designed creation, then created it. He's on this earth in human form, submitting, submitting to the Father. What humility, what grace, what sacrifice. He gave up his majestic form, his majestic residency, his dignity, his will, and then he gave up his life. 
Talk about the ultimate sacrifice Jesus Christ gave up his life. Listen to his own words. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one's taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. Now, if we had a choice to die or not die, or if we had a choice to let our family members die or not die, I guarantee you we'd opt for not dying. Jesus had the choice. He opted to die. Why in the world did he do that? Paul answered that. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He did that for us. He went through all of this to solve our sin problem so that we could have a relationship with God. Now, Christmas time is a time when most people exchange gifts. And that idea does have a Christian background. When Jesus was born, the wise men eventually came to see Jesus and they brought him gifts. Then somewhere around the year AD 336, under the reign of Constantine, December 25th was singled out as a possible date for the birth of Jesus Christ. And since gifts were brought to Jesus, gift giving and the exchange of gifts began around that time. The idea of exchanging gifts does have biblical roots. It's estimated that in the United States, $4 billion a day is spent on gifts between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a time when many people make some sacrifices to purchase gifts they give. They think things through, then they make the sacrifice and purchase the gift. And they purchase those gifts for people they love. Most families try to get together at some point. They exchange gifts. Then after it's all over, they load up the car and they go home and they're home for Christmas. The reason we do all this is because Jesus Christ did not stay home. He left his home and the greatest sacrifice ever came to this earth so that he could save us. He actually left his glorious home where he was worshipped and loved. And he came to this world that didn't love him or want him. Talk about having to work on Christmas. There's never been anything like this. Many of our loved ones this year are now in heaven with them. We've had many people we love die this year. They left their bodies. They went home to heaven. They're enjoying the bliss of their heavenly home because he didn't stay home. And one day, we who know the Lord will be home for Christmas too. We're waiting that moment. Right now, it's only in our sanctified dreams. But one day, our dreams will become reality. You thank God he did not stay home for Christmas, because had he stayed home for Christmas, none of us 
could be saved. May we pray. If you've never believed in Jesus Christ, what a wonderful night this would be for you to place your faith in him. Right now in this moment, just acknowledge the truth that you're a sinner. Invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior. Our Father, what a glorious, glorious God you are. What a glorious Son you have. Thank you for what he was willing to give up for us. We aren't worth it. But thank you that he did it anyway. In Jesus' name, amen.